My name is John. With me, as always, is Ryan. What's up, Ryan? Hey, good morning. Yeah, good morning. It's uh, Saturday, the, what, 14th? And yep. um, as has become our standard practice lately, our, our use, um, we are recording our, our Mandalorian Chapter 11. Sounds like it's bankrupt, but it's not. Um, our, our Mandalorian Chapter 11 um, uh, reaction. Um and uh, yeah, we've, we've been doing that every like kind of Saturday morning, you know, so um, our our routine, I think I speak for, you know, both of us pretty much, but at least my routine is wake up early Friday, watch it, you know, text about it all day while at work, then come home and watch it again on Friday night and then record on Saturday morning. So that's, that's been my routine. Um, yeah, did you watch I, this one a second time? I haven't been, I haven't been uh, watching a second time. I haven't been rewatching. Um, which is something I did during the first season, and there's no there's no real reason why I'm not doing it now. But I just haven't like felt the need, at least with the past couple episodes, to because like I I feel like I'm kind of getting everything the first time through. Um, uh-huh. Not that like I'm never going to rewatch them because I certainly am, but like I haven't really felt like that need to like go through and like you know like watch it with like a different like mindset or anything um gotcha. so yeah i don't know we'll we'll see how that goes and if that changes yeah well i don't think it's necessary to like yeah i, I think i could um you know do this this morning uh, no problem having having watched it uh once or whatever but um nobody else in my house wants to watch it at 5 a.m and uh like is Lindsay's not watching it at five o'clock in the morning with you is she no she's not so she'll just catch it when she catches it kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Maybe we'll watch, maybe we'll watch it this weekend. Who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But that's kind of my thing is like, okay, well my kids want to watch it, you know, and, and they haven't watched it yet. So it gives me a good excuse to watch it again um, for a second time. So. Um, yeah. I will say what I, um, what I have been doing. I haven't done it with this uh, most recent episode, but um, I'm always reading the, the recaps. Um when when those pop up and like the easter egg um articles and stuff and then also uh watching the star wars explained episodes um Mm. on each one um i think that gives um me you know just a a much better insight than i'd be able to like even come up with watching the episode 500 times on my own um Mm. just because alex over there just knows so much lore (laughs) that um yeah like he can make connections that i would never be able to uh to come to on my own so um yeah i think those are like kind of the the crucial like next step in my watching gotcha gotcha uh yeah maybe i should start doing that i I feel like um as this season's going on it's becoming increasingly important maybe for me specifically to uh track stuff like that down and uh, that was one of my big kind of um I don't, not takeaways, but uh, one one of my thoughts in response to chapter eleven, the heiress here, is that uh, mm. I should probably be brushing up on some lore and stuff like that because, um, you know, like if it's if it's from the movies and things like that, then I'm pretty solid on it usually. Or if it's stuff that's like from my kind of Star Wars area of interest, maybe. Um, but a lot of the other stuff, I, I 
have trouble remembering. And I mean, I've watched all the Clone Wars and I've watched all of, I've watched all the cartoons and stuff, but sometimes I just forget, you know, these kinds of things. And yeah, so that would probably be helpful for me. Hey, uh, real quick, did you, um, did you hear, or I haven't watched the interview yet, but um, Leslie Headland did an interview um, on YouTube like a week or week and a half ago. And it's like 45 minutes long. I'll try to link to it um, if I remember to put it in the show notes, but uh, I haven't watched it myself yet, but I need to. Um, but apparently uh, she talked about how she got back into Star Wars kind of in like the mid, I don't know, 2010s or whatever, um, partially due to enjoying like watching Star Wars YouTube stuff. And uh, I guess uh, said specifically that she watches Star Wars Explained. So, oh, really? Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool for uh, for Alex and Molly at Star Wars Explained. That, yeah. Uh, Star Wars creators are like, oh, yeah, we use that. We watch that, you know? So, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, by all accounts, a really good interview. I've heard, uh, uh, heard it mentioned a few different places and uh, it's supposed to be really good. And um, obviously she doesn't go into details on like her show that she's making, but she talks a lot about Star Wars and what she is attracted to in Star Wars and stuff like that. So it sounds... Uh, Sounds worthwhile. I need to uh, find some time to check that out. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, let's jump into chapter 11, The Heiress. Um, this one uh, was written by John Favreau, which uh, I'll try to make a habit of, of um, bringing that up. <laughs> mm-hmm. as we're talking about. We haven't really talked about that stuff too much, but it was written by John Favreau and uh, directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, who, of course, directed chapter four, I think, right? Um, I believe that was the one, but the, the, the one that introduced, uh, Cara Dune and, um, the village episode. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, Ryan, why don't you kick it off and just give me your initial impressions of, um, of chapter 11. We've been doing that most weeks here, just starting off with, uh, kind of what your overall thoughts are on this episode. Yeah. I mean, overall, long story short, uh, I, I love this episode um, a lot and it's um, it's kind of funny because, you know, this is this episode goes deep on stuff that I would say probably like two years ago. I think we would kind of collectively sigh and shrug, I guess, about, um, you know, this sort of content with like a bunch of like, um, you know, Mandalorian lore and um you know characters from the animation and stuff like that i don't think you know that that wasn't my kind of top interest my you know major uh area of interest in star wars and it's just it's wild how like invested i am in all that now and i think I think again, it's like what we've all what we always talk about with the Mandalorian, um, and compo- like compared to the movies, um, the expectations are just different, and so I think there's things um, where, you know, I just I don't have like strong, you know, um, not like quality expectations, but content ex expectations and so when uh when some of this stuff kind of pops in that i know is not like entirely my jam um it's it 
I don't know, it feels fresh and exciting and like I'm like I'm trying something new in Star Wars um, where I'm not just like hung up on, you know, stuff from 40 years ago. And it just makes it like it's just made it like really enjoyable. And like this, it's turning out to be, you know, this like I'm like, it's ridiculous. Like I would not have said like two years ago that like what I want in a live action Star Wars show is like, you know, Mandalorian culture, Mandalorian lore and like the dark saber and like all this stuff. And now I'm just like, I'm so, I'm so into it. So I think it's been, um, that's been like a fun um, sort of surprise for me. And uh, it, you know, it's, things are feeling really fresh right now. Cool. Um, well, my kind of overall impression of the episode is that I thought it was really great. Um, I, uh, yeah, I thought it was a super exciting episode, lots of fun, um, big reveals, great action, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, I do, uh, I do really like it. It reminds me a lot of not specifically the episode, like what happens in it and stuff like that, but it gives me a similar kind of feeling to like the chapter three episode from season one and that it's like a big episode. You know what I mean? Like um, lots going on action packed kind of definitely changes the story and, uh, or it kind of like really gets the plot for the season kind of kicking, I think. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's uh, it was a great episode. Um, I think for me, it's, I don't want to say in spite of all the Mandalorian culture stuff and all that, but like, um, I am still not like, I'm not where you are where I'm like, oh yeah, I'm like, so like, like I, I definitely, I don't know. Um, you get four Mandalorians on screen and like, it's cool. Like I, I like, especially seeing Sasha Banks, like kicking butt in her Mando gear and all that and, uh, everything. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, usually like when the helmets are off and you've got like four or five Mandalorians sitting around talking Mandalorian stuff, like that's a little bit of a challenge for me to be like, not that I don't like it. It's just like, it doesn't, you know, speak to me like specifically or you know like more than other stuff you know it's kind of yeah this is a corner of star wars it's never been really my thing and uh even Mm -hmm. though i'm loving like the season and i'm loving like i love this episode uh like that's not why you know what i mean like when i when like my when i walk away from this one like my favorite part of it is not like that stuff you know what i mean just like i loved uh chapter nine even though like the boba fett stuff is definitely not like you know Ooh, I'm so into Boba Fett, you know what I mean? But like, they just, they find a way to mm-hmm. make me care about it anyways, even though it's not my thing. Um, but yeah, I don't think I'm as far, I don't think I'm as excited about it as you are, where it's like becoming my thing because they're doing such a good job with it. It's more just like, yeah, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm into the show enough that, uh, that, uh, that, uh, you know, um, it still works for me and I, I'm still having a lot of fun with it, but I'm at a place where I'm like, well, I kind of hope that they, those Mandalorians don't show up again for a few more episodes. You know what I mean? And I don't think they will, but like, um, yeah, I don't really want it to become like the, the, um, like, I don't really want the focus of the show to become about the Mandalorian and Bo-Katan and, you know, uh, Boba Fett and you know what I mean? Like I, and, and I, and I think sometimes like with the animated shows and things like that, they do have a tendency to start out small and then each season they get bigger and bigger and bigger. And we're definitely seeing that with mm-hmm. this show. Um, but I think it's the question remains like, even though the show is going to keep getting bigger and bigger in terms of the universe and the characters and things like that, like it'll be interesting to see like what they choose to focus on and like what the overall seasons and episodes and stuff focus on. But, um, but yeah, I did. Lo- I, I thought it was a great episode. Um, I did love it. I think this, 
based on the reaction I've seen online and stuff so far, this seems to be like the, everyone's like, yes, this is what we wanted. Like, I think people are super hyped and and really excited for this. So that's cool too. Cause Mm. last week was my favorite episode so far this season still, even with this one, like I loved last week's episode, Mm. but that one definitely got a mixed reaction. So, um, this one is much more like people are thrilled with it. So that's good. Oh, see, like this is kind of the fun part of not being on social media and taking kind of like a social media hiatus. So like, I have no idea what people are talking about with this stuff right now, um, which is kind of an interesting, uh, fun place to be. Um, very different than like how I generally engage with Star Wars and the fandom and stuff. So, um, yeah, I think like what I just really love about this is I think they're doing something with the Mandalorian stuff that um, like the Mandalorian culture that I think is similar to what they did in the Clone Wars, where it's kind of like what's happening on Mandalore is like a it's like a parallel story um, to, you know, in the case of the Clone Wars, like the the Jedi story was kind of like front and center. Um, and I still think the like our Mandalorian and the child are still front and center in this, but I think like the, the Mandalore stuff in the clone wars was important because it was, um, you know, that was, a um, like a, a hotly contested planet. It was, um, you know, between the Republic and the Separatists. It was a, kind of like a swing state. Um, and I think so there was like that vested interest in it um, in the Clone Wars. And so that's kind of why we kept kind of going back there. And um, I think, you know, the stuff with like Obi-Wan and Satine and all that is like really compelling and interesting. Um, but, you know, it's not the total focus of the Clone Wars. And I think it's cool that it also gets to be kind of like a parallel. I don't want to say like background story because when it's, you know, when it's happening, it it is in the foreground um, and it takes, it takes priority. But I think it's kind of cool that they're doing that again in the Mandalorian. And I think this time um, it just, it works better for me than, the Mandalore stuff did in Clone Wars because that was when we were first getting introduced to it. So I was like, oh, I don't really know about this. Um, and then I kind of connected with it more in Rebels um, because I really, you know, I really like Sabine and um, and then like the the Darksaber stuff. Um, I actually really liked in Rebels, but like it still wasn't like, you know, it was still kind of like I could take or leave it. Um, but now I think just the way all the pieces fit just feels really good to me. And like, and I don't even know if it's more like I'm into the lore or I'm just into this like pretty impressive long-term storytelling, um, you know, which I don't know. It probably wasn't the, you know, I don't know if this is like the end game that like Dave Filoni and George Lucas had in mind in like 2008 or whatever, but um, I'm sure things have changed a ton, but I think like, you know, just being on this journey um, for, you know, I think probably about like 
15 years, um, you know, 10 to 15 years of like all this like Mandalore stuff being introduced and like having it kind of uh, kind of come to a head here and it being in live action. I think that's just that's just really cool and really satisfying just in like a storytelling um, way. So I think that's what's uh, um, really, uh, really getting me hyped about it. Cool. Cool. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, there's like a lot of, um, you know, just like thinking about the episode, there's like a lot of different like lore and kind of, you know, larger universe um, elements that are introduced. So why don't we uh, kind of jump into walk in beat by beat through the episode. And uh, I think some mm-hmm. of the more specific examples of all that stuff will come up. So um, as far as how the episode kicks off, it is uh, obviously a direct continuation of last week's episode as um you know, this season really has been all, uh, you know, so far. And, uh, so they're in the, um, the damaged razor crest and they're trying to get to the moon where frog lady's husband is. Uh, they do. Um, actually I, I enjoyed watching baby Yoda wake up. Um, they all kind of like wake up when their the uh, <laughs> sensor goes off being like, Oh, we're close to the planet now. And, you know, tired baby Yoda, uh, kind of wakes up along with frog lady and, and Amando there. And, um, and then they do this like wild set piece kind of like crash landing on uh, the planet, uh, or I guess it's a moon called Trask, mm-hmm. uh, ocean moon of some kind. Yeah. Some but, uh, some coming in hot, Revenge of the Sith, uh, rescuing the Chancellor vibes for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, it doesn't matter to me, um, but I, I I watched it twice and I still don't really understand um, like that because <laughs> um, he's like, oh, we don't have our our system that'll guide us through the atmosphere or whatever. So I guess we should just like turn off the engines and drop into the, into the planet. Like, um, I don't know. I watched star Wars spaceships, like take off and land like on planets all the time. And, uh, the idea that, you know, like he couldn't just like, you know, direct the ship down to the planet without, you know, just free falling didn't really make any sense to me, but, um, star Wars. Yeah, it does. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like (laughs) it's star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, someone I'll have to, maybe, maybe, uh, Star Wars explained, uh, can, can walk me through that one. I don't know. But um, mm. Anyway, uh, I'm sure there's some people who are very angry about it and calling for K- Kathy Kennedy to be fired. Uh, um, I don't, I don't on the internet. Maybe, maybe, but this has so much like badass Mandalorian stuff in it. And this episode checks so many like fan demand boxes that I think, uh, they probably can get away with stuff and you know like yeah, so the sequel trilogy movies and people are still mad about those so yeah, <laughs> yeah. well anyway they crash land on this uh this moon of trask which uh i love the ending of it you know because they almost land and then uh the engines give out and they you know splash into the ocean and then there's this like at-at-esque crane thing that pulls them up out of the mm-hmm. water just a cool moment for sure um yeah Reminding me, I think there's, I mean, not the same design, but I think there's some similar, um, like construction, like, I don't know, devices or whatever, uh, hardware in solo, I want to say on Corellia. Um, maybe not, but I think I've seen something mm. similar to that before. And, uh, anyway, I, I thought it was cool. Um, and then, you know, like after that, we have one of, uh, a couple very heartwarming scenes between 
frog lady and uh, I guess frog man. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, realizing that they were in that initial teaser trailer. Um, I oh, like yeah? it finally clicked for me because I think I remember like watching that trailer and being like, what are the, the guys with the 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 tendrils? Um, are they Corin? Corin, yeah. Corin. OK, because there were like all the Corin, some Mon, Mon Calamari and then I I remember seeing like the the frog people and being like, oh, that's I don't know. I don't know who they are or like what what race they are. Um, and then being like now, like I realize, oh, it's the, um, you know, the frog lady and her husband. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. And check this out. The Corin are a bunch of assholes. Um, it's the impression I get from this. Yeah. episode. You know what I mean? Like. Man, I didn't. Yeah. Like, I didn't like one single Corin in this episode. They were all jerks. You can't uh, be trusted. No, no. And uh, Mando does trust this uh, Corin. The frog husband, frog man, um, introduces him to a Corin. Is it it's the bartender? There is a Corin. I think, if I'm remembering correctly. Anyway, the, he's in an inn or a bar or whatever, and he meets a couple Corin. Uh, although this, I, I, I think. Um, pretty cool design here too apparently this uh this 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 bar or whatever this pub on this ocean moon has like some sort of um uh uh chowder delivery system like tubes like all over the bar (laughs) it's pretty good like um you know he takes baby yoda in there or the child he takes the child in there to uh, get him some food and to uh, hopefully meet a contact that'll you know hook him up with some some mandalorians out there and uh, baby Yoda gets a bowl um, of uh, of chowda, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, delivered via tube in the ceiling or something. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, kind of cool, kind of grossed me out. Oh yeah, I would never eat that chowder <laughs> at the same time. But yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> well, especially because there's um, like but I think the octopus thing that jumps out of it, you know. Well, there's a face hugger. In yeah. there again yeah. with yeah. The, with the alien. Oh yeah, yeah <laughs> um, that was that was my first motifs. Yeah, um, I think it's isn't it a Mon Calamari that he is the bartender? Oh okay, that if that I'm remembering correctly, sure, sure, yeah, probably, yeah. probably, yeah, 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 because the bartender was fine. Well, the bartender was even a little pushy he might have been a bit a bit bit shifty yeah well because amando you know he's not going to eat because he can't take his helmet off and Mm -hmm. uh the bartender tells him like hey man like these tables are in high demand so if you're going to be in here you have to order um but uh yeah uh he of course tells him like i can pay for information and then he gets hooked up with this corin character who's like oh yeah i can take you to some mandalorians but it's gonna cost you <laughs> and you know on second viewing um you know i thought he was a weirdo on the first viewing but on second viewing it was like why do you trust this guy like he sucks he sucks like you could tell right away like from the way he's talking to the mando and everything that he's got bad yeah. intentions so um yeah and he one thing um quickly is mando gets to use his uh mon calamari water bucks um, which I think he got from Grief Karga in season one. Um, okay. I don't know if they're the same water bucks, but they're like weird, like Tide Pod, like like squishy dollars. And I don't know. I just love Star Wars. Yeah, I noticed those. I didn't know. Are, now, are, 
water bucks is that a term that you're coining or is that like an actual yeah i don't i don't know what the actual okay okay okay. again like i i need to watch the star wars explained episode because i'm sure it's in there i was kind of hoping they're actually called water bucks but uh yeah gotcha okay Um, we can affectionately refer to them um in the same way people affectionately refer to the child as baby yoda we, we can affectionately oh, refer bucks. to them as water bucks. Yeah, okay. I think yeah. that's fair. I'm down for that. Cool. Um, so anyways, he uh, this is this is where Space Boat comes into things. Um, you know, everybody's mm-hmm. been excited about Space Boat since the uh, trailer dropped. So, Space, um, Boat, so Space Boat is a character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so um, little did we know when we, were, when we were watching those trailers that Space Boat would be an elaborate trap to try to kill Baby Yoda <laughs> and uh, steal... Uh, the Mandalorian's um, Beskar armor. Um, and uh, I did, I, you know, I thought that was um, cool or whatever that like this time around, they didn't even care about the child. Like they didn't even know, you know, like anything about the child. They were just like, whatever, um, let him get eaten. We want that Beskar, you know? Um, yeah. So, which makes sense because you would imagine like, you know, unless someone had heard or, you know, come into contact with, you know, someone who, who is knowledgeable about the the child situation. It's just like, well, there's some weird baby alien thing. Like, I don't want that. I want, you know, <laughs> they know what Beskar is. You know what I mean? Like I can tell that yeah. armor is worth something. So, um, but I, I was, you know, I mean, I knew that obviously, you know, intellectually the child's going to be okay. But when that Quarren dude, like, you know, just sent him flying into that water, I was like, oh my God, like, this is crazy. Um, I was pretty freaked out. Yeah, it was a very like this is Sparta kick uh-huh. uh, in into into that tank there. Yeah. Um, it was it was pretty fast and brutal. Yeah, and I don't like I couldn't tell for sure what that creature was like because he referred the corn talks about it like he says like oh you ever seen one of these things eat? Um, yeah, and, yeah. I don't know what it was, but uh, it was it was pretty. Um, it was pretty uh, Sarlacc esque, in uh, and that's another running motif here uh, with these mouths full of teeth, and you know, because like, the 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 uh, spiders had a little bit of that vibe going on, and you know, mm-hmm. um, that's kind of yeah been been something, and yeah, you know, even had the uh, the uh, crate dragon in ch- in chapter nine that had mm-hmm. pretty gnarly uh, round mouthful of teeth, you know what I mean? So. That's something that's yeah. been, uh, you know, three for three so far this season. Yeah. And to be fair, we probably should have known going back to our conversation about episode nine um, or chapter nine um, that uh, essentially this was a pit that Baby Yoda got thrown into. So he would have been fine because it's a pit in Star Wars. <laughs> so that's true. He, he wouldn't have died. That's true. <laughs> Well, and he was fine because, uh, and, and I noticed this um, on second viewing, but because uh, I, I wasn't really thinking about it on the first viewing. I was like, dude, he's been in there a long time. Like, how is he alive? Like, what kind of creature is this that, you know, Baby Yoda can just like hang around in its digestive system, you know what I mean, and, and be mm-hmm. fine or whatever. Um, but it is visible on, you know, closer inspection that when the creature is swallowing uh, Baby Yoda that the pram closes. So I don't know if Baby Yoda mm-hmm. closes the pram or if uh, the Mando does, but the pram closes. So he's uh, fairly secure, I suppose, inside that pram. And hopefully that, I guess that pram maybe was watertight too. So 
Um, he yeah. Took, you know? Um, yeah. I got to say, though, I was uh, I was sad uh, last night watching it for a second time um, because I realized like that was the upgraded, like better pram that was uh, custom crafted by uh, Quill for, yeah. for the child. And now it's now it's gone. So that's kind of sad. It is sad. It is sad. Um, yeah. Pour one. Pour one out for the pram. Mm. Um, I don't know if we'll be able to say that word as much on the podcast Summer. going forward yeah. and that, that that's sad yeah for sure for sure um so anyway they try to trap mando down there they try to kill mando they're pretty excited about it because they're assholes and then um luckily mm-hmm. this uh group of mandalorians shows up led by bo katan uh we glossed over the fact that that mm-hmm. uh, we did see the shot of sasha banks um, who's credited uh, by her actual name, which is Mercedes Bernardo. Yes, yes, y'all. So fresh, y'all. Snoop Dogg with Sasha Banks. We're the best, y'all. Make way for the new. What it do? And if you went away, let me say she's coming for you. So if you're not a wrestling fan and, and you watch the credits and, um, you know, we keep referring to Sasha Banks or whatever, and you don't know who we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Her name is Mercedes Bernardo. Um, Sasha Banks is her WWE name. So, um, you know, obviously doesn't make sense really to, uh, to use that name. I don't know if she could use that name even if she wanted to, but, uh, I'm sure there will be life for her post WWE. So, um, makes more sense to use your actual name rather than your stage name or whatever you call it, your, your kayfabe name in WWE. Mm -hmm. Um, Mercedes Bernardo though, we saw her, uh, uh, in, in the, in the, in the hood on, on the space boat earlier, um, watching things. And, uh, it was funny. I was watching it last night with um, my kids and my youngest son, Elliot, was like, so is she supposed to be a Jedi or something? Like, because he knows who Sasha <laughs> is, you know, and he saw that, saw her with her hood on and he was like, is she supposed to be a Jedi? Yeah. And I was like, well, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, but yeah, that was a pretty good, um, a pretty good uh, swerve or, you know, whatever you want to say, like um, distraction. Um, because, you know, I, I certainly didn't look at that in the trailer and think, well, she's probably a Mandalorian. You know what I mean? She's probably wearing like straight up Mando armor underneath that, that robe. So, um, I, I would not have suspected it, but, um, it's a pretty sweet reveal when that turned out to be what was going on. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this is like probably the first big, like super exciting, like, you know, fist pumping moment in, in this episode, I would say, right. Like this group of, of Mandalorian showing up and doing some total Mandalorian ass kicking. I mean, were you pretty, uh, were you pretty stoked on that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, it's one of the, one of the tropes of the show, um, in like (laughs) Mando is caught unawares and, um, is like overwhelmed, overpowered, um and then gets saved um you know at the at the last minute by another group um whether it be you know um quill or um the you know the fighter the rebel fighter pilots in this case it's the mandalorians Mm. um and uh yeah and i think um it was just yeah it was it was cool um they're you know, it's always it's always interesting to see, um, you know, different 
different types of Mandalorians with different um, different sort of styles. And um, yeah, and I yeah, I just thought it was cool. It was neat. Um, and uh, but for me, like it was more just like you know just like a story beat um mm-hmm. then i think like a um you know then looking at it as um like an action sequence because i think we've already kind of seen like peak live action mando um action in um you know the the two parts uh season finale of um season 1 so i don't think i don't think we're going to top that um but yeah i mean it was just it was more of just like uh okay so this is cool what's what's happening here kind of thing gotcha. for me gotcha cool yeah um yeah i would say same for me too but uh you know again watching it the second time i was like oh i know which one is sasha banks now and i'm watching her like fight and stuff yeah. thinking that's pretty cool so and of course she's the one who saved the child by diving into the water and and killing uh Mm-hmm. whatever that creature was. So that was cool. But uh, yeah, so then that turns into a conversation and this is where um, the, the lore stuff really kicks in. And uh, I mm-hmm. you'll have to remind me if we know what this, if we knew what this was before it came up today or not, but um, basically they all, you know, he thanks them. And uh, by the way, he was, um, I did enjoy, or, you know, I was, uh, I appreciated how concerned he seemed to be about i mean obviously of course he would be but you know he seemed like completely distraught you know and uh and and considering how much like that character um especially when helmeted which is pretty much all the time but um you know how much that character really is very stoic and and doesn't um display a lot of emotion or whatever i felt like the body language and um the way pedro pascal delivered the lines that he did in that moment when he was like the child, you know, you have to help the child or whatever. Like he seemed like he was terrified, you know what I mean? That, that something had happened to the child or that the child mm-hmm. was gone or whatever. And I, I thought that was um, like really well communicated. Um, and like I said, you know, a helmet's on. <laughs> so it's all through the voice and uh, through the body language. And I think it, it came together really well. Uh, and I found it yeah, active, you know, so that was good. Yep. But yeah, anyway, they go into this conversation um, and the uh, Mandalorians take their helmets off and you can tell he's pissed. Like what, where did he, I think he says, where did you get that armor? Um, Because in his mind, immediately, it's like, if you take your helmet off in front of people, you're not a Mandalorian. Um, And then, was it you? Who was it? Was it you, Ryan, who said in our chat yesterday, like basically Mando's in a cult? Was that Kevin? Yeah, it was Kevin. Um, And I think that is, that that was maybe the most fascinating part of the Mandalorian, the Mandalorian lore mm-hmm. um, for this episode, because like we know who like Bo-Katan and um, and her people are. We know them. And like, really, like those feel like the most legit Mandalorians to me, just because we've spent so much time with them. We've seen them on the planet on their planet we know so much about their culture like those are the those are the mandalorians those are the legit mandalorians and then then like he's like no you can't do that you know it's against uh you know it's against the code the way and and they're just like oh you're one of those and Mm. i thought that was like amazing (laughs) and like he's 
I think I I feel like he's a little taken aback by that. Um, you know, it's not something that's like unpacked in the episode, but I think that's going to, um, you know, be a uh, you know a a subplot going forward. I think, um, you know, looking at the different um, Mandalorian um, cultures and factions and segments um which we do know that you know there are mandalorian factions um going all the way back to the clone wars and um and i think that's really cool and um and then something that our friend dan said in the chat is like i he was like asking i wonder if this is you know if this is going to mean by like season three you know, Mando maybe comes around or changes his, um, you know, view on things. And then we start seeing him without his helmet on more. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I said that to, uh, to my wife last night when we were watching the episode, you know, cause she was, she was in and out of the room a little bit as we were watching it. She's not quite as into it as we are. Um, we meaning me and the kids, um, but, uh, you know, normally she watches all the episodes with us, but there was something going on. I can't remember what, but anyway, she had reason that she had to get up and, um, she missed a few parts. And so she was asking me like what the deal was with them having their helmets off and all that. And I said, you know, uh, echoed what Dan had said, like, maybe this is going to be our way of, um, getting Pedro Pascal to be, you know, kind of on screen without the helmet more often. And she was like, Oh, do you want that? Like, is that what you want? Like, and I was like, uh, you know, I mean, I, I told her, I was like, I mean, it's not like I'm sitting here like, you know can't wait until like this character doesn't wear a helmet anymore because I think it works fine as is. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, at the same time, like great actor and you, you never see his face. I mean, it would be nice if uh, I, I, I think like to find a little bit of a balance, you know what I mean? Where uh, the helmet could be off once in a while at least. So um, he could do a little emoting through his face and things like that would be, would mm-hmm. be good. Um, but uh, you know, I don't want him to lose the, kind of uh the vibe that he has now which is you know silent and deadly and that kind of thing with the helmet on so um i don't know but yeah yeah absolutely i think that that's where it's headed right is um the first season it was like hey he never takes his helmet off none of them ever take their helmet off and then now um with the uh introduction of this other group you know he's gonna have to potentially question that or if he starts spending more time with them and you know uh, i'm sure i would think at some point there will be some kind of interaction between because uh, the armor is still around, right? I mean, I don't know mm-hmm. how many people are, how many Mandalorians are left from his group or whatever they were called, um, but at least the armor is, so it's not like he's the last one. I mean, if he was the last one, it could be like, okay, well, maybe I let that go and kind of join this mm-hmm. other group, but like he's still part of this other faction or whatever, so. Yeah. Um, but they're called the Children of the Watch, I think. Um, the children yeah. of the watch, which I don't know if we'd heard that term or not before. I don't think so. Maybe. Um, but I'm, I'm looking at the, the Wikipedia page, uh, for this episode and, um, it describes child, the children of the watch. Um, it describes that group as death watch inspired. And I was like, Oh really? Well, so what's the uh, footnote on that? Or what's the, uh, the re- the source for that? And, uh, it says that, in the flashback in chapter eight, um, when they come in to save the Mandalorian as a child, um, that they are wearing, that they're bearing the death watch insignia on their armor. 
So um, I don't know if there's any more detail about that or not, but um, that adds another layer, politically speaking, I guess, to this whole thing. Yeah. Um, Because Bo-Katan kind of wrestled control back from Death Watch, right? Or the Mandalorians did when they... See, I barely remember what happened in all these different Mandalorian political, you know, war battle things in the Clone Wars. But yeah. um, the the bad dude <laughs> who was defeated eventually, the one who mm-hmm. had the dark saber for a while, he was the Death Watch guy, right? Yeah. And then, like, they lost. So um, that would mean that the Mandalorians group is associated with kind of the violent, uh, you know, kind of more villainous element of the Mandalorian culture that we've been introduced to in the Clone Wars, right? Yeah, potentially, but we do know like cultures and such can, they change over time in Star Wars and they, you know, come to mean different things. Well, yeah, I'm not saying that like his group, the Children of the Watch are like, you know, bad guys like Death Watch were or whatever, but I'm just saying like, as far as the pieces that are on the table, what we know and what we've seen so far, it seems like his group is a descendant of the group that, you know, the hero characters in the Clone Wars were battling against, right? I mean, and, and Death Watch is the group that aligned mm-hmm. itself with Maul, right? Yeah. Is that right? Um, you know what I would, I see, I'm like, it's it's been a while. It's been a minute <laughs> yeah. um, on a lot of this stuff. So I really wish, um, like, Disney Plus would just do, like, a playlist of, like, all the Mandalorian stuff, like go through, you know, all the different seasons, pick out all the episodes with the Mandalorian stuff um, in the Clone Wars and then have like the Rebels stuff um, and just like have that as like a, a watch list so that I could just like click it on and just like watch through all of it. And I'm sure there's like someone's probably made like an episode guide or something um, on a site, but. Um, I would love to know what like Lucasfilm considers like the essential viewing for um, all like the, you know, the the Mandalorian lore. Yeah, it would be nice to just have a playlist that you could just click on and just like watch through what they consider essential. That would be awesome. And I've heard other uh, people, you know, argue a similar point. Like I think um, Steel Saunders had brought that up a lot of times last uh, season, like that it would be great, you know, when the Mandalorian, when you're done watching the Mandalorian, especially for like a more general audience, if it was like, hey, you should check this other stuff out, that'll help you understand it better or, you know, whatever. Because, um, yeah, to just to, to tell people like, well, the Clone Wars is on Disney Plus, go watch it. It's like, yeah, go invest how many hundreds of hours or whatever in, in uh, yeah. You know, it's like, okay, no, it'd be nice if there was a curated thing. And then I'm sure I would assume there's probably some good video essays or like, you know, kind of little YouTube videos maybe out there that kind of run through all that stuff, um, which would be good too. I mean, I'd, you know, be nice to watch, like you said, watch the episodes um, and, and kind of take it in for mm-hmm. yourself. But uh, yeah, I think I'll need to track down some of that stuff because like I said, I've, I've seen it all, but, you know, I think you can tell by the, uh, the way I'm fumbling through trying to discuss it that uh, my... My knowledge of it is just not that strong because, A, I've watched most of that stuff probably only once. Um, and then also, mm-hmm. it's not something that ever, you know, a lot of times I was like, mm, okay, whatever. Um, as far as the Mandalorian stuff goes, not that I didn't like it, but it's just like not the kind of thing that, you know, really stuck with me a ton. So, um, mm-hmm. but I do find all this intriguing. I mean, for sure, it's interesting. Um, 
you know, my other thought though, and I don't want to spend a ton of time on this and it's not a big deal, but my other thought is that I do think like, you know, I love the prequels, but I do think that Django and the Boba Fett stuff in the prequels kind of, you know, took away from the mystique of the whole concept of Boba Fett and all that. And, and, you know, I, I don't, it was good. I mean, it's good and it, it, it adds some things, but it, overall I feel like to me, the concept of a Mandalorian is not as cool after the prequels as it was before. Um, and then the Clone Wars come in and it does the storytelling with the Mandalorians, which is an improvement, I think, from like what we had in, in the prequels in terms of my interest level and that kind of stuff. But still, it's sort of like, I don't know, it was a, sort of this, you know, silent cowboy character. And I feel like that's maybe, you know, not like something that I'm super into necessarily, but it, it is what it is. You know what I mean? And, and I, I just kind of feel like, um, the Mandalorian in season one kind of restored some of that mystique, even though we're with that character all the time and he speaks and, you know, everything like it's one Mandalorian and the helmet's on most of the time. And he's still kind of, it, 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 it sort of like, to me, it kind of brought it back to like what that Boba Fett character was initially, which was, you know, mysterious and, a cowboy type character and, you know, man, a few words, that kind of thing. Um, and then I don't know. I think like if we, if we end up getting hours upon hours of, uh, you know, lots and lots of Mandalorians on screen helmets off, you know, um, where they become like common characters. Uh, I think it, it, it could be really good and I'm, I'm looking forward to it cause I, I can tell obviously that's where we're going. So that that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know for me personally, I, I, I'm not sure. Like, I feel like I probably prefer, you know, Mandalorians in small doses and, you know, being more of that mysterious sort of cowboy-esque character. And, uh, you know, but Star Wars is a big galaxy, big universe and lots of storytelling. And like, this is already all out there. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, um, you're not going to put that genie back in the bottle anyways. We've already created all this Mandalorian culture and everything. So uh, I think it'll be, to me, I guess where I'm at with it is... um, is kind of like the Darth Maul stuff where it's like, nobody asked me and why should they? But if they did, I would have been like, no thanks on all the Darth Maul stuff. And uh, that's, that's essentially where I would be probably with all this Mandalorian, you know, culture and politics and stuff like that too. But um, that being said, now that it's happening, I think so far I like what they're doing with it. And I trust that they'll do it in a way that is really good. Um, And so it's like, yeah, it remains like the kind of thing that I'm, not myself super into necessarily, but like, I think it'll be done well enough that I'll like it anyway. You know what I mean? Um, but even just like this episode, like I love Sasha Banks, you know, that I love Sasha Banks, you know, and I don't have a lot of like experience or whatever with, um, Katie Sackoff or the Bo-Katan character or whatever, but, um, you Mm -hmm. know, like she's cool. You know what I mean? And it, and, and it was cool. Like them in this episode, like I, I I enjoyed it, but already it's just kind of like, whenever I see like a shot of like four Mandalorians on screen sitting around having a conversation, like I just can't help having this, like, I don't know. It just, I, I don't know what it is. It, it like kind of demystifies things for me. Um, I don't know. It's not like it's that mystified anyways, but <laughs> I just, I, I don't know. It's just like something about it. Like when they multiply and there's more than one, it just makes it a little less special to me. I think, I don't know. We'll see what happens, I guess, as it as it continues to to go on. Like if I continue to feel that way or if I lose that and get really into it, I guess. I don't know. Um Yeah, I mean I think like this was always George's intention though, was to like, you know, the he talked about Mandalorians 
for for a long time mm-hmm. and uh you know always wanted to like build out um that society and everything and i mean i think like like i don't care about but with that in the films um at all like in the original trilogy like i think he's just like an empty husk he's not like not barely even a character yeah um and so like i don't i don't like <laughs> the fact that he like doesn't do anything <laughs> doesn't really uh you know make him seem like mysterious and cool to me mm-hmm. um so i don't really care about like that part of it but um i think what they started um i mean yeah to take or leave um the, the attack of the clone stuff is what it is um but i think what they started building out in clone wars and um and then through rebels and to now i think they've you know and i think this is like mostly dave filoni's brainchild um based on you know george's vision um and i think what they're what they're building out does seem like fully realized and it there's a lot of thought put into it and again like i don't I mean, just like seeing a Mandalorian helmet doesn't like spark joy for me, but I think the 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 long the long form storytelling here is so good, and um, that like I just really appreciate that. And I mean, yeah, like I don't think we need, um, you know, there's there's talks of you know Mandalorian spinoffs and such. Um, could be cool. Could be um, you know a little uh a little too much um but i think you know if there is a place where they're going to kind of you know continue one of you know these uh pretty large threads of storytelling in star wars like around mandalorians like it makes sense for it to be on the television show called the mandalorian um (laughs) for them to be like doing this stuff sure yeah no definitely this would be the place to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, like I said, they've they've uh, they've intrigued me. I, I suppose with this Children of the Watch stuff, and um, I'm curious to see where it'll go in terms of like um, conflict between different you know factions of Mandalorians and stuff like that. But uh, I don't know if 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 the show becomes because if you say like, hey, it's called the Mandalorian, like this is the place to do it. I agree, but also like I really loved what the first season was in terms of you know. I don't know, like the lone wolf and cub story and a focus on this one guy. And I mean, you had like a group of Mandalorians in, in season one too, but they were, they just came in in certain moments to save the day. And, uh, it, it, it was well done, um, and really good. And I think this will be well done and really good too. But, uh, I think there's at least the possibility that, you know, um, the show emphasizes the sort of, I don't know, larger political or political is not the right word, but the larger, like, you know, the universe building kind of man larger Mandalorian story uh, in a way that, you know, kind of isn't where I would want it to go, but I don't know. Maybe it won't, maybe it will. We'll see. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we'll see. I don't know. Uh, so anyway, I think that I, I do think that the focus of the show is probably going to change, you know, obviously it's already starting to change. And I think the focus of the show is going to change one way or another as it goes on, like into multiple seasons um, kind of mm-hmm. have to, to a certain extent, I guess. So, um yeah i mean we we can't really have it both ways like if we just you know we've complained in the past like oh this is just 
you know, the Mandalorian gets into trouble, has to solve a problem and then like moves on like freak of the week type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like we don't we don't want it to just be that. Um, But, you know, so I think this uh, I think the two kind of um, parallel plots, the, um, the overarching plots are going to be the stuff with the Mandalorians and the stuff with the Jedi. Mm. And I think those are going to contextualize things a little more. Um, And, you know, like, honestly, like looking at, um, and in the same way, like the series started with like the, the bounty hunter guild Mm -hmm. contextualizing everything. And, you know, and I think that for me is like one of my, least favorite corners of star wars like to go even even more like granular like the the bounty hunter scene is like not one of my favorite things about star wars and uh and i think it was done really well and i thought you know grief karga is great and his character arc was amazing but i'm also like glad that it's not just like every episode like mando's got a new bounty Mm -hmm. um which you know kind of seemed like it could have been um you know initially so i think you know i think this this larger universe stuff is you know just to provide more um you know just a, a more robust setting and um to contextualize things a little bit more and i think um you know serving that purpose like i think um you know the the mando stuff is cool and the jedi stuff obviously has potential to be cool um but yeah i think like i think those those are going to shift as the series kind of goes on so i'm not i'm not super concerned with it you know like what would happen if this just became like a you know mandalorian political intrigues show like i'm i'm because i don't think that's what's going to happen but i think like while it's happening right now um you know i'm just enjoying it for what it is the you know it's i i could see too eventually like because the whole thing is the mandalorian needs to um his mission he's quested to return Mm -hmm. and he uses the verb return i think to return uh baby yoda or the child to the jedi um and it's like you know why does he need to do that it's because he believes that and armor believes that the child belongs with its clan, right? Or it's like kind of family or it's, you know, where it belongs, I guess you'd say. And so like, it'll be interesting to see if, cause that's going to be a difficult thing, obviously for the Mandalorian, if that's what happens long-term um, is that he, you know, has to give up the child or chooses to give up the child, like to someone else um, more suited to raise him. Uh, then, you know, like, is there going to be a parallel thing where the Mandalorian needs to decide, like, where does he belong? Who does he belong to and with and that kind of thing? Um, so I could see mm-hmm. that being that being another um, reason to uh, to kind of introduce all this Mandalorian stuff, too. So that would make sense and, and potentially be um, pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I would I would love I would love that, I think, as just, and it's ridiculous to be talking about, like, the end game of this show, because we're still, like, years, years away from this show ending, but, um, you know, I'd, I'd rather, you know, him end up with, uh, you know, with a, a group of Mandalorians that, 
you know, he he believes in rather than him just like go back to being a bounty hunter. Yeah. If, if that's the case when he's like separated from the child eventually. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, although I don't know. I I uh, yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, like you said, it's a long time, right? <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen? Um, yeah. That being said, I am curious, like, I think I, I want this. Sh- and, and like, we're not even talking about the episode anymore. We're just like, I, I you know, because of me, but we're just like, you know, uh, asking all these larger questions about the show overall and stuff. But um, I, I don't know, like, how long can they draw out getting baby Yoda to Ahsoka, which was, you know, we'll get too soon, but that was one of the greatest things about this episode. But how long can they draw out getting Baby Yoda to Ahsoka and to the Jedi or whatever to where that becomes, like, the choice? Because, I don't know, like, I mean, it could, obviously it could be until the end of season two. Um, but, you know, if this show is going to go four seasons or something, like, really, can it just be, like, season after season after season of, like, he just can't find Ahsoka? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. So, um I don't think that they're going to write the child out of the show by any means. And I don't think like, I, I do kind of feel like that would be the natural conclusion of this show is like, I finished this mission of keeping the child safe. Um, but I'm curious to see how they, how they handle that and how they go about it, because it does feel like something that shouldn't take three episodes or three seasons, you know what I mean? To, to find that person. Um, and it seems like that should be like, that's, that's the focus of, of season two is I need to get the child to, the Jedi and, or, you know, some Jedi as character. And I feel like that should happen by the end of this season, you know? Yeah. Um, that being said, I wouldn't be shocked if the, the season ends with the child and the Mandalorian separated and the child in great danger in some way. So that, that's one way that it could, uh, I, I suppose, um, stave that off or, you know, go in a different direction until, they're able to to make that you know connection with the jedi or whatever but yeah i don't think it's going to be as simple i don't think i don't know if that's if that's really what the end game's going to be like that's the that's the quest right now is getting the child to ahsoka but i don't know if that's going to solve things and you know and if it's just going to end with like ahsoka being like oh cool thanks I'll I'll handle it from here. You're good, um, right? I I I don't know. So I think there's going to be some some complications mm-hmm. um, in all of that. Even once the you know the the quest that we're aware of is fulfilled. Yeah, yeah. Plus, uh, <clears throat> well, of course, it, it begs the question of like what's going on with the child then, like during the sequel trilogy, and what's going on with Ahsoka in the sequel trilogy and all that. But. Mm-hmm. Definitely no time to get in. Well, we, I, yeah, no time to, t- to tackle that now. So why don't we keep moving with the yeah. episode here after I've distracted us pretty, uh, pretty intently for 20 minutes. Um, so they save Mando. And then of course, you know, cause this is also three for three this season. Um, the Mando says, can you help me find, you know, Jedi? And, uh, Bo-Katan says, yes, but only if you help us first, you know, with- yep. got to do the side quest. Yep. Boba Fett. Hey, can you, can you help me? Uh, or actually, you know, went to that town looking for Mandalorians and then, you know, well, uh, if you help me kill this, uh, crate dragon, I'll give you the armor. And then in season two, it's like, uh, I can take you to Mandalorians, but you've got to take me to this planet where my husband is. And then of course, in this episode, um, it's another 
well, we can help you, but you got to do something for us first. And that something is ripping off an Imperial uh, ship that has a bunch of weaponry on it. And we know that Mandalorians love weaponry, right? So they want to get the mm-hmm. cargo ship carrying all this uh, all this weaponry. And, uh, and he's going to help them do it. And uh, they do it pretty effectively, uh, which is, you know, a, a, I guess kind of the 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 climactic like the last third of the of the episode is them in this big uh attack sequence where they take over the ship and um and steal these weapons and it gave me uh chapter what would it be six vibes um the one on the prison uh ship yeah a lot of like mandalorians going through hallways like taking out tons of stormtroopers um very effectively and uh and stuff like that so um it was cool it was a cool sequence for sure. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I really liked how, um, they built tension with the Imperial, um, officer, you know, kind of in command there and the pilots in the cockpit. And it's like, they keep getting closer and they're hearing all the stormtroopers die over the, mm-hmm. <laughs> and all that. So, um, yeah, it's a very effective sequence in that regard. Yeah, and I think um, what was really cool, just um, kind of like state of the galaxy um, stuff here, and I think you know this also ties into one of the one of the main plot threads is um, like who are the like who are the remnants of the empire right now? Um, you know, the empire has been defeated. Um, but in a a very embarrassing fashion, they are refusing to concede, Mm. um, which is just embarrassing for anyone who is ever doing that, um, generally speaking. And, uh, it only, it only ends in, uh, suffering. And, um, so, yeah, I really just like that like these are these are the diehards um just refusing to accept reality, but they have this this figure in Moff Gideon who makes uh makes a hollow appearance here who is basically telling them like no, we're we're still the winners here. We uh no, we're we're uh, we're the we're the righteous. We're we're the correct ones. Um, this is still like our mission. This is our goal. This is our life. Um, and, you know, and he kind of leads these, uh, just like these Imperials to, um, basically just like self-destruct. Um, and he leads them all to their deaths. Um, because, you know, we, we see a lot of Imperials get taken out, both, um, officers and stormtroopers. And we see, the the pilot after you know you know knowing his uh his divine mission um he takes um the or the commander takes out the takes out the pilots he kills his own men um and to take over the ship um to you know to to crash it to you know kill himself and to kill the um mandalorians who are referred to as pirates um which is interesting Mm. and uh to just like self-destruct the ship and like literally go down with the ship. Um, and then, you know, the Mandalorians stop him and, um, and, you know, they're, they're keeping him alive and are like, okay, we, 
you know, tell us what we need to know. We won't kill you. And then he's like, yeah, but Moff Gideon will. And then he just, uh, you know, eats, uh, eats a cyanide space tablet and, uh, and kills himself for the cause mm-hmm. um, right there. And I don't know. I thought that was really, really fascinating. And it's not the first time we've seen um, like post uh, post empire um, diehards. Cause you know, we see them in aftermath. We see them in um, uh, like the battlefront two story and other places in like the Disney era. Um, but I think like here it was just like, um, this is, you know, again, this is a faction of Imperial holdouts. Um, and they are, you know, they're really committed to Moff Gideon and his, uh, his cause. Mm. And I think that's, uh, that to me makes Moff Gideon, um, already like a more interesting villain than we saw in um season one because like seeing like the hold that he has um over over these people it's not like you know like oh he's just like paying them and so they're like fighting because like what else are they going to do but like these are people who like really believe in what he's selling and to like a terrifying fashion where they will just like kill themselves for the cause um and yeah i mean talk about talk about cults yeah like that's uh that's kind of what's um going on here and it's just kind of what like okay yeah moff gideon like actually pretty terrifying Mm. (laughs) at this point yeah um yeah it was uh reminiscent i think of uh season one rebels finale of course where um you know, the Inquisitor's like, well, there's there's things that are more uh, frightening than death, you know. Um, definitely you mm-hmm. know, out of that moment again. Um, I, I thought there was an interesting an interesting component of it, too. Like you said, like talk about cults and, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, I thought that was, you know, even more evident in the fact that, like, I, I don't think many of those stormtroopers would have, like, taken the ship down and sacrificed their own lives for the Empire, you know? And it was clear that the whoever that officer was was, you know, a, a diehard, like you said. Um, the, and, uh, the, like, the leadership and the true believers are that way. Um, but I don't think we're meant to think that, you know, every biker scout and every stormtrooper and every Imperial pilot and stuff are like that, you know? Because that would be a little... I think that'd be harder to swallow, honestly, like it would be less believable or whatever, but like you have these true believers, the diehards, whatever in important roles and, uh, and, and mm-hmm. yeah, so, um, for sure that was, it may, it made uh Gideon, uh, you know, more imposing, like you said, and it also makes like just the, the leadership of this Imperial remnant or whatever it is a little more creepy. And, uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. Zealot, zealot, what how do you turn zealot and zealous zealous yes that's right (laughs) yeah there you go (laughs) totally totally yep for sure so well i think um well it's kind of jumping ahead but like while we're on the topic of moff gideon um i think we do find out from bo katan why um you know why she wants she wants the dark saber and we know that moff gideon has it and so, like, it was kind of, 
um, you know, when he when he pops out of that ship um, at the end of season one with like with the dark saber, and we're like, oh, cool, the dark saber. He there it is. Um, and then we're also kind of like, so like, why? Like, why would he care? Why would he have it? Um, and you know, and as it turns out, like you know, if you know, it's the same thing from the Clone Wars, like the you know, the person who rules Mandalore has the Darksaber, um, which is, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, it's, it's all like, it's King Arthur. It's, you know, Excalibur. Um, it's, it's all just that motif. And, um, and I think like when we find out like, oh, Bo-Katan wants this so that she can lead her people on Mandalore again. Oh, Moff Gideon has it. Because he doesn't want, he feels threatened by a free Mandalore, or he wants to take over Mandalore. And then, like, and that's where it's like, oh, because I keep saying, like, oh, the pieces are starting to fit. And, like, it's not just like, oh, we're, it's not just like, oh, he has the Darksaber because it's fan service. Like, hey, remember that? Here it is. Like, it's, there's like a story conceit to it Mm -hmm. and um and i think like that is that's really cool and that again like adds to um you know moff gideon's character who was cool in episode one like he was like kind of scary and uh interesting um but now it's like oh we're starting to kind of see like his um motivation and the power he has and that's that's what's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was going to mention that in trying to get into the, trying to get to the cockpit, there's that sequence in the hallway where, you know, the Mandalorian is like, cover me and then uses, I guess the best car to just like take all those hits to, um, get up there and <laughs> throw out the, the, uh, explosives. Um, and, and that was, uh, that was a cool moment. Um, it's funny though. I had just in my, um, film class that I teach, uh, at work, I had just shown this, um, little video essay about action sequences and, uh, it it was, uh, I'll try to link to that as well. If I can, um, remember to do that and put that in the show notes, but I think it was called, uh, it was about seven samurai and Kira Kurosawa and it was called like, um, action through or drama through action. Um, and it was comparing Mm -hmm. the way action sequences are, you know, um, filmed today and, and done today. Um, and how they were shot in, you know, like how Kurosawa and, uh, how, how he shot them. And, um, it, it talked about the use of like slow-mo and how, uh, and not only slow-mo, but also just like how, um, the camera will a lot of times in like modern action stuff, like focus on, um, uh, an individual like the hero and not really on the consequences of their action and stuff like that. And, um, anyway, but, but the, specifically the slow-mo thing in this, um, uh, in this video essay was talking about, you know, how, uh, like a lot of times, like it'll be done for stylistic purposes rather than like storytelling purposes. You know what I mean? Like, and it gets overused like slow motion and in modern action stuff. Um, and, Mm -hmm. and this sequence, I thought it was cool because it was like, it used it, 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 it like touched on that like kind of modern technique or, you know, it's not like, I don't, technique's not the right word, but that stylistic, 
um, the in vogue stylistic thing of like the slow motion, like kind of action sequence or whatever, but it did, did it like just a little bit, just like just a tiny bit. You know what I mean? Like it didn't do like yeah. full on like super tacky, like long, like, Oh my God, Mandalorian, like struggling down this hallway and super slow motion or something, which I think would have been like very bad <laughs> mm-hmm. or just like cliche. Um, but I did, you know, there's like a hint of like slow-mo there. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it was good. I think it was well done and, uh, I enjoyed it, but, uh, um, for a moment, I, I was a little like, why is this dude straight up like every episode trying to like sacrifice his life for some cause that's like not that important overall for him? <laughs> but, you know, yeah. like, well, the ship was going down, like, you know, they had to survive, uh, although he probably could have just like jetpacked out the side door or something and like let the ship crash. But um, yeah, they all could have. <laughs> Well, but it's important to them. You know what I mean? Like this goal of getting that is important to them, but it's not important to him really. Um, That's true. Yeah. So I guess like, you know, I didn't really tie it to that, to that video essay, you know, super effectively, but I I guess the point here is that it's like, you know, a lot of times we go for these big heroic, like hero moments, you know what I mean? But uh, sometimes it's just for the coolness of it. You know what I mean? Versus like, what is Mm -hmm. it really like? is there like a dramatic or storytelling like purpose for this like badass like slow-mo Mandalorian going down the hallway type thing you know what I mean and it's like I mean it makes him heroic but it's one of those things where it's like eh, really do you want to give up your life to save this like crashing ship or do you want to just like maybe not do that but uh I guess the cool thing about being the Mandalorian and having best car armor is you can do both you know <laughs> you can you can do it without sacrificing your yeah. life yeah probably would have been fine i don't i don't know if it was like if in in chapter nine that that moment where he goes where he's like take care of the child yeah stranger (laughs) sheriff guy um and that felt like oh you're doing like a heroic sacrifice here um but like this was just like someone just needs to do something i'm just gonna do this it'll be fine it whatever like like we can't just stand here like that's how that's how that kind of felt to me it didn't it didn't feel like he was you know you know being like look after the child when i'm gone um it's just like we just just gotta do something right now yeah no i think that's that's true yeah i think that's true that's good um yeah well okay so that takes us to the uh the big moment here um to me the big moment of the episode which is you know they do stop this ship from crashing and uh bo-katan you know is uh she finally is willing to tell him like okay uh first off you could just stay with us and help us complete our mission but you know he's like that's not my so my focus right now that's not what i want to do I, I need to uh you know continue my quest with the child and so she tells him that uh he can find a jedi named Ahsoka Tano. And uh, I looked over mm-hmm. again, like I watched it a second time last night with my family. I looked over at my seven-year-old son and he got this like big, like wide-eyed, like look on his face and smiled and was like, oh my God. Like it just, it had this epic kind of like, whoa, huge reveal kind of vibe to it. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, it was, it was a great moment. I mean, it's probably the coolest definitely to me the coolest reveal of of the season so far um yeah. and the most exciting moment of the season so far really is is to hear that name uttered and you know you've talked about a couple times on this episode ryan how you know you think like um there's this great long-term storytelling going on with all this mandalorian stuff and the pieces are coming together and all that um and you know that's true uh, but to me like this is the moment where it's like 
this is, uh, I think it's a really special moment in the sense that, you know, there's been all this storytelling going on Star Wars wise, like starting with the Clone Wars, like for what, 15 years now or something. And mm-hmm. uh, Soka has popped up in different places and they've really, you know, built uh, obviously a huge fan base for that character, but also, you know, you know, kind of built her into the larger fabric of Star Wars in a number of ways and made her feel like a really consequential and important character. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't want to say that, I don't want to say that it felt forced sometimes or or say that like, I I don't know. Um, I I think there, there always is the conversation of like, well, Dave Filoni created Ahsoka and he's going to like put her everywhere. Um, you know, cause that's what Dave Filoni does cause he loves her, uh, which is great. Mm -hmm. You know, that's fine. But I think sometimes I wonder like, you know, uh, is is it forced like is ahsoka's like inclusion in things forced or whatever um but i don't know man i think like after hearing her voice in the rise of skywalker at the end of the movie last year and having her incorporated into like the films that way it was a powerful thing um but to me like the biggest evidence that this is like the most yeah yeah the the the, the most um persuasive evidence that she's like a super important character at this point and that she you know, is really consequential is like the way I felt and the way like my kid felt and the way I think like everybody felt like when you heard those, when you heard that name uttered, it was like, whoa, you know what I mean? Like this is huge. This is a big deal. This matters. And I felt something there. You know what I mean? Like I really felt something, um, hearing her name spoken in live action and knowing that that's where we're headed. Um, super cool moment. Yeah. Um, I think, I I agree. Um, I think it's slightly dulled by two things. Spoilers? Um, for me, spoilers is one. Um, I, again, I just, I don't know. Like, it's fine. It doesn't matter. I really wish stuff would just, like, not leak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, in general. Like, I like knowing things and, you know, ultimately it's about the story, not the reveals, but like, man, like everything in this season, every big, um, you know, every big moment, every big reveal, like we, we knew, yep. like, you know, from Katie Sackhoff as Bo-Katan, from Tamora Morrison, from, um, you know, Ahsoka Tano, like, I, I don't know. Like, there's just, <laughs> I just wish, uh, you know, something could stay under wraps. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure things like will. Um, and maybe, maybe they, they like don't care. And it's part of their strategy to like, let this stuff kind of get out there. Um, but yeah, I just, I just, you know, I just wish it was like being able to like, you know, experience that without, without, you know, knowing and, you know, and I th- I think it just like, it sucks too. Cause like, you know, we got these, these like initial trailers and, you know, we're three episodes deep and like, you know, I, I remember like seeing the first trailer and, you know, the first teaser for this season and like all the comments were like, where's Boba Fett? Where's Ahsoka mm-hmm. in like the trailer? And it's like, well, <laughs> I mean, is this, is this kind of like what we're all about? Is this like, you know, is this, you know, why we're watching? Um, and so, yeah, I think that that kind of sucks. Um, but I think ultimately, you know, those, uh, 
Like it's it it's got to be cool to be like a kid and like not you know not reading like Hollywood Reporter with like casting rumors and stuff and just to be able to be like oh whoa yeah cool um but uh yeah and the the other part that I'd say which kind of just like lessened the impact for me a little bit is like we kind of had something similar to this in in Rebels. Um, with you know Ahsoka being revealed as like Fulcrum, mm, yeah, um, and like so we already kind of had like an Ahsoka returns reveal um, in the past, um, so like it's just it it just it didn't quite have the impact that like I would have hoped, okay, but at the same time it also excited me. Gotcha. Yeah, I think what you're talking about with like the fulcrum thing and all that, like, and I I enjoyed the fulcrum thing. And I thought that was a cool reveal too in Rebels. Um, But, you know, in that case, I was like, okay, really, like, does she fit into this story? Or are we just like in a place where we think we have to shove Ahsoka into everything? You know what I mean? Um, Mm. And I think I'm past that now, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, I mean, if they keep if if she shows up in Catherine yeah. Andor and she shows up in Obi-Wan and she shows up in everything, then I'll be back to that place. But um, where I'm at now is like, okay, like sometimes it was questionable, you know what I mean? But at this point, it really feels like um, they've, at this point, I feel like she is authentically, like truly a super consequential in, in, in emotional, like she has, like, I had an emotional response to like the idea of like Ahsoka being in the show, which I wouldn't have expected. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not like Mm -hmm. a big Ahsoka person or whatever. Like, I don't, do I even like Star Wars? Because like all episode, I've been like, I don't, I don't really like Boba Fett. I don't like Mandalorians. I don't like <laughs> everything. It seems like, uh, when it comes up, like oh, well, I'm not really into that. But uh, I mean, truly, though, it's like I've never, you know, just that wasn't a huge character for me or anything. Um, but I think the way they've used her in, uh, recently and um, and uh, and overall what that character kind of has become and represents and stuff is is pretty powerful. And uh, yeah, I mean, hearing her voice in, in The Rise of Skywalker um, was a big moment, but I like, to me, this is even bigger because it's like, I don't know if it, maybe it's just because it's, it's, you know, the, like his hope rests on finding her and, you know, there's just like this, this importance mm-hmm. to her here and, uh, and that kind of thing. But yeah, um, I really felt it. So, um, yeah. And, you know, it's obviously exciting. I think it'll be a while before we get to her. Um, that's another thing my son asked me, like, so are we going to see Ahsoka next week? Yeah. Nah, I don't think so. I think it'll be a while. Um, but it's cool that, that, that the, the concept is there now on screen introduced and uh, there's, there's no question. I mean, there was no question anyways, because of the spoilers you already talked about, but we, we really know for sure now. And so um, it's a, it's a tantalizing thing. And uh, I think that reveal is going to be super exciting. Yeah. And, you know, I guess like the flip side um, is I think at this point we know all of the casting spoilers unless there's something I'm forgetting. Well, I don't think Luke Skywalker has been spoiled yet, you know, like, in terms uh, of, like leaked information. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, hey, if, if they can do the uh, same, you know, sort of uh, meet somebody and then have to help them with a the thing, you know, trope in every episode of the Mandalorian, I can bring up Luke Skywalker um, being in this show, every episode of our Mandalorian reactions, right? tip for tip yeah i mean i i think a really fresh story would be um having to find luke skywalker i think that's something we haven't seen in star wars before 
um so that that would be really exciting mm-hmm. um i agree know, people pe- people looking for luke skywalker and like you know when when we find him is he going to be a hero or is he going to be grumpy who knows yeah well you know we've uh we've talked about this like i said now every episode so i don't really want to you know get into it again but i will i will just tell our listeners that yesterday i texted you guys and i was like i am now convinced that luke skywalker will mm-hmm. factor into this show in i think a small way at some point like mm-hmm. by the end I, I think so i mean i think it would be yeah to me it doesn't it doesn't make sense to have like you know, a whole sequel trilogy and really a whole saga, you know, focused on this character and for him to be the last Jedi left. And once you bring in, like to me, like once you bring in this mystical Jedi related character of Ahsoka into the show and in this time period and everything, like, I don't know how you ignore the fact that Luke Skywalker exists, you know? Um, So I would, I could see it being five minutes in one episode, you know, towards the end of the show, or I could see it being, you know, mm-hmm. maybe a little bigger than that. I don't think it's going to become about Luke Skywalker. I don't think it's going to become about a journey yeah. to find him or anything like that. But like, I just don't see how you can ignore there's one Jedi left in the universe and, uh, or in the galaxy. And, uh, you know, like you have baby Yoda. I don't know. I don't know what the, what the storytelling would be there, but it's gotta, I think it's gotta come up in some, some way. So, um, but I've said that before. I mean, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's so weird to think about because like when you're thinking about this time period so he'd he'd have his uh just for men hair mm. um at this time and he'd I don't think so. Because this is like way before no? you've seen in the sequel trilogy. Kylo Ren is 5 years old at this point. No. He's a little kid. We're barely past her. Yeah, but he Okay, but like the stuff that the flashbacks in Last Jedi Kylo's like are when Kylo's fifteen, yeah. So like this is at least yeah. So like okay, so he'd he'd have to like look kind of like a cross between end of Return of the Jedi Luke and um the flashback uh weird hair luke from last jedi i guess so but i mean i, I it would be I, like I, somewhere like, in the middle of that like battlefront 2 for instance he's in battlefront 2 i don't know how that like that's probably closer to for sure that's closer to this time uh, yeah. than, than just for men luke in the last jedi like yeah. this is he'd, he'd still be pretty young he would still be you know like if we saw leia in in the mandalorian which i don't want or you know like i'm not asking for or anything but if we saw leia or han solo or, or characters we're not going to Ryan and I'm not saying that we should. And I'm not saying that I want to, I'm just saying that if mm-hmm. we did, they would, I would think look pretty close to how they looked in return of the Jedi. Cause it's only a couple years after return of the Jedi. It's not like we're not in sequel trilogy era in this show, you know? So I don't think Luke Skywalker. needs. Uh, to um, unless we, unless we do a time jump like after, after season, after season two. Mm. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I guess so. Yeah. Like it's just it's just I mean, I guess yeah, I guess they did it in Rise of Skywalker cuz they when they did the flashback to the Luke and Leia Jedi training sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just a lot of it's just a lot of CG. Yeah, <laughs> like on the on the horizon. Yeah. I mean, it could it, it could honestly be like I, they could, well, whatever, who knows? We'll see what happens. I mean, I, I think it could be anything. <laughs> they mention him to, 
he's straight up like on screen talking and interacting with other characters or somewhere in between. You know what I mean? Like, uh, again, I, I don't think like when I say, dude, uh, like Luke Skywalker is going to factor in some way. I'm not saying like we're going to get episode after episode of Luke Skywalker as a character in the show. I'm just saying that like it becomes mm-hmm. an element. You know what I mean? Whether that's just Ahsoka being like eventually we'll reconvene with him or, you know, maybe this is where he needs to end up eventually or I don't know something. But I just think like they have to it, it can't just be like ignored. You know what I mean? Um, or I don't see why they would you know, just ignore it and act like, cause I think your, your concern is yeah. I want it to just be like bringing in all these old characters and having to tie everything to, you know, stories from the past and stuff. And, uh, yeah, like I understand that concern, but I also like, I don't think the way to combat that is to just be like, who Luke, who, what that doesn't have anything to do with our story. Mm. Like, even though we're trying to find the last Jedi, like, come on, like it has to be connected, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, trying to get Baby Yoda to Jedi when there's one Jedi, you know. So, yeah. Um, and man, think about like the the baggage in an Ahsoka Luke Skywalker convo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. And and you get to a point too where it's like, does everything have to be filled in? You know what I mean? Because it's like hearing yeah. her voice in the Rise of Skywalker is cool, and knowing that somehow she kind of like reconnected in the force with that side of things is cool but like do i want to watch it happen probably not you know what i mean um and so that's a that's a whole nother a whole nother can of worms i guess and i don't know i mean i don't i don't know i don't know i kind of want to watch it happen how did we totally reverse positions on this like I, yeah now that i'm thinking about it like uh, there's actually some really good storytelling potential there and like some really good character drama like Seriously, what would a conversation between Luke and ah- Ahsoka be like what, when, like, Anakin is brought up? Yeah. Like, what is that conversation? What is that feeling? And what, and what like, if, that's, that's cool. Yeah. And what if Luke Skywalker's, like, the purpose or the, the reason for including him in this in some way is not about him, but about, you know, Ahsoka and, like, what happens with her? So, um, I don't know. <sighs> That that that's that gets heavy, yeah. right there. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah. Wow. All right. Well, um, that's the end of the episode, except for maybe my favorite moment, um, which is uh, the Mando coming to pick up Baby Yoda from his babysitters, and uh, Baby Yoda there playing with the little the little frog baby <laughs> in the bowl, mm-hmm. and like, yep. the way that you know when the Mando comes to get him, he's got to like pull him away from the bowl because the child just wants to you know keep playing with this baby frog thing and all that uh i love that i thought that was really cute and uh so that, was that some like uh some parenting play date vibes <laughs> happening there is that an experience you've had as a parent uh, all right come on guys we gotta go yeah maybe a little bit maybe a little bit yeah, yeah. okay um, yeah yeah that that was like major parenting vibes to me oh yeah 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 um, but it was just, it was a, a nice moment because, uh, yeah, you have these two new parents and their baby and then, you know, um, and, and the child getting to interact, like it, very much a different life than the one he lives with, uh, the Mandalorian, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. hopping from one violent situation to the next and, and that kind of thing. Like he seemed very happy, um, there with, uh, with the, you know, in that little cozy little apartment or whatever it was. And, uh in a more traditional kind of family, you know, 
um, home life situation. And so, uh, not like I didn't want the, the Mando to take him and not like I didn't, you know, I want the, the story to continue where it's going, but, um, it, it does like kind of pose the question a little bit, like, you know, um, what would the child's life be like if he was with a, a more traditional kind of family, you know, home life kind of situation instead of with this, uh, violent, you know, <laughs> murderous, uh, bounty hunter guy, you know what I mean? So, cultist. Yeah. Um, cultist, yeah. bounty hunter, killer, you know? Yeah. Um, and we, we also, you know, that reminds me of the episode in the village, which is another Bryce Dallas Howard episode where yeah. we, we see that with, um, the child interacting with the children yep. in the village. Yep. Um, and like, you know, that, that kind of like longing that I think, you know, the characters feel and recognize in the story, but also like we see, we feel like as viewers too. Yeah. Um, and I think that's like, that's a pretty, pretty powerful um, theme in the show, especially in the, the episodes that Bryce directed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that uh, that'll do it for our conversation. Oh, we didn't even talk about the title, the heiress. Um, oh, yeah. it's Bo-Katan. Well, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's a cool title. It is a cool title, but I think a lot of times like these titles, like they refer to, you know, maybe more than one kind of thing. You know what I mean? And, uh, mm-hmm. like, yeah, it certainly like most directly refers to Bo-Katan, but then I was thinking, you know, you also have like the whole thing in the last episode was the frog lady being like, I'm the last like of my name. You know what I mean? Like my family is gonna, my family name's going to stop if I don't have a child Mm. and then you know you see that child born in this episode so like you know that that child is sort of the heir uh or heiress to that you know line that family line and all that um so i think there's there's that element there too um and then you know maybe a stretch to to kind of think of um uh the mandalorian as like the heir to this children of the watch type thing. But, you know, I mean, to a certain extent, like he's confronted with these people telling him like, you know, that group that you're part of, you know, that took you in, that you became a child, like it's called the children or the, of the watch. Like he's referred to as a child of the watch. You know what I mean? It's like, you are like the heir to that way of thinking and that mentality, you know what I mean? And we're questioning that and we're telling you that that's mm-hmm. right or whatever. So, um, I don't know that like anybody was thinking about that or if that's, you know, that might be yeah. like stretching it a little bit, but um, just overall thematically. And, and you know, I think that potentially like, I, I, yeah, I do think that that is a thread, you know, between these different plot lines within the story. So. Yeah. And I mean, I think to further stretch it, Ahsoka being an heiress to the Jedi of the Republic. Yep. 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 So yeah. yeah. But the, of course, yeah, I mean, like if I would have seen that, I didn't actually see the title before I watched the episode, but if I'd seen the title, I probably would have been like, oh yeah, I bet this is the, uh, we already thought this was going to be the Bo-Katan episode anyway, so. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, yeah, and I will just say, like, I haven't actually said it um, on the episode. Um, I love Katie Sackhoff as Bo-Katan. Um, Battlestar Galactica reboot is probably my favorite TV show of all time. Um, and I loved her on that show as Starbuck. And, um, I think she's just in like, she's just great, Mm. um, in general. Um, and 
I think she looked perfect as like an older, more hardened Bo-Katan from the animation, like the hair, the headband, Mm -hmm. like the the expressions, everything was just it was it was so good, Mm. like perfect, perfect casting. Yeah. All right. Well, um, man, I'm excited to see where we go with chapter 12 next week, of course. Uh, uh-uh. When it's done, you know, he's... Uh, oh, I, I want to call attention to or, or, or um, point out that um, when this episode ends, you know, Mando gets into the Razor Crest with the child. They take off um, and he's like, look, we're, we're going somewhere, you know, we're going to take you to your kind or something like that. But it's going to be a bumpy ride. That's what he says as mm-hmm. uh, as the episode. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, you know, if, uh, there's going to be some there's going to be some uh, some struggles along the way. So uh, that ship is barely flying off of this uh, yeah. moon. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I'm not convinced that the next episode is going to open with him just like jumping into hyperspace and going straight to uh, the planet that. Um, that Ahsoka's on. Yeah. But uh, we'll see. I think we're I think we're in for a journey mm-hmm. um over the next few episodes yeah. for sure. Um do you remember what the planet's name is that they're going to? Okay. So I can never keep this stuff straight from like remembering from watching the episode, but like I said, I have the Wikipedia page up and uh it says that um that uh, Bo-Katan tells the Mandalorian he can find her in the city of Caladon on the forest planet of Corvus. Corvus. And I'm like, is that the name of a ship from Battlefront 2? Like, was that the name of their ship, the Corvus? Or is it something similar? That's what I thought it, like, that's when I see that word, that's what I'm thinking, like, oh yeah, Corvus. But yeah, otherwise I don't know what Caladon is and I don't know what Corvus is. Yeah, it's, um, I don't think we've heard of this planet previously. But I don't know. Well, yeah, yeah. we'll see. So off to Corvus. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Yeah. So, um, okay, well, let's just, uh, we're going to wrap the show up, but uh, quickly want to touch on, as usual, the uh, Mando Monday drop, the uh, merchandise that was released on, on Mando Monday, um, partially because for the first time I actually bought a piece of merchandise um, I have pre-ordered, like I said, I've pre-ordered some of the uh, uh, the figures, the ones that I could get pre-orders of um, that were announced on Mando Monday. But I bought uh, the uh, two-pack of uh, Mandalorian pint glasses, um, and they're actually Funko. They're made by Funko, which I don't uh, often find myself buying Funko products, Ryan, but uh, I did love the look of these two uh, pint glasses, so I bought those. And those already showed up too. Actually, I got them in the mail yesterday, so that was cool. Uh, nice. Yeah, but um, yeah, did any uh, any Mando Monday merch jump out to you this time, or uh, uh, excite you from um, episode or from last? Yeah, episode, I, ten. yeah. I think like I'm just so impressed how they're able to like have this merch ready to show a week after or like four days after an episode um, because we have a uh, Funko pop that is the child with the egg canister. And like, that's crazy. Like that was four days ago. And then like, there's a toy for it. Yeah. Um, 
And like, we didn't like, you know, sometimes like, you know, obviously we get products before the films and stuff and we're like, oh, this is going to be like in the film. Um, But like, we didn't know about this egg canister (laughs) at all. We had no idea. Um, And so then to like see it on the screen and then like, you know, then like, you know, after the weekend, see like, oh, yeah, this is a thing that you can uh, you can pre-order now. Um, That's just so cool. I don't, it's, I don't know, it's kind of, it's kind of cute and kind of cool. Um, it's, you know, it, it feels like one of those, like, sort of deep cut um, Star Wars figures where it's like, this is just one depiction of, like, one very specific scenario mm-hmm. um, from, from a moment. And, uh, and I think it's just, it's just kind of cool um, in that way. Um, but uh, it, it's just so impressive, like, how they're, um, how they're able to kind of, like, turn this stuff out and also like this how is this stuff not leaking <laughs> like but everything else all the story stuff is well yeah i do um, wonder if that's part of why so so much of the story stuff leaked you know what i mean like if there's bo-katan like a ton of bo-katan stuff like ready to go on monday you know um then licensees and stuff had to find out about it you know a while ago probably and potentially that's part of where because I think they, you know, were very intentional about not having any Baby Yoda merch right away because they didn't want it to leak, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And so if we'd had Mando Mondays last year with Baby Yoda merch all over the place, I'm sure we probably would have known about Baby Yoda before the show came out. So uh, maybe that's part of it this time around. They were just like, well, you know what, like we can choose to keep everything secret and then have no product or we can accept the fact that some of this stuff's probably going to leak and uh, do product. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the trade off this time around. Yeah, um, and just the amount of Mandalorian merchandise that exists right now yeah. is incredible. Yeah. It is, because, like, I was at Target yesterday just getting, like, household stuff, and there's, like, there's like tons of, like, back-to-school stuff. There's, like, sticker kits and, like, you know, all just kind of the stuff that we never see on, like, the Star Wars blog, like coloring books and like you know all that like random stuff like anything that's branded with star wars right now is mandalorian pretty much um there's i mean there's like the the weird galaxy's edge stuff um you know existing in in kind of its own space but like everything else is is mandalorian um and that's just like honestly i think for like sheer amount of merch like mandalorian is already starting to rival uh phantom menace uh-huh. like i don't it's it's not all there at once in the way phantom menace is but like this stuff just keeps rolling out like weekly yeah like there's just there's just more and more and more and um you know and it you know it takes a little longer to see it on like store shelves but like it just keeps coming yeah <laughs> and uh it's going to be and i think like if you were like a if you're like a mandalorian completionist collector Mm-mm. like can't you're you're in for a rough ride yeah yeah there is a ton of stuff i think it's um i think one thing that's you know like a lot of stuff is being sold online and so for instance mm-hmm. there's like 10 billion new t-shirts every week right but they probably only make a certain number of those sell them online and then like if people still want them they can make more versus you know in the phantom Mer- phantom menace era it's like you produce this product you ship it to stores and you hope people buy it and then like 
even more so with the toys because with the toys, you know, uh, like you say, like, oh, there's, you know, there's so much Mandalorian stuff or whatever, but it's like, yeah, they've made a bunch of stuff, but you can't get any of it. Like every time, you know, like I didn't click on any of the toys that were announced, you know, they're already sold out. All the pre-orders are sold out. So, um, it's not like, you know, in the Phantom Menace era, you could go to Target or Walmart or wherever, and you could buy whatever Phantom Menace toys you wanted to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. which, you know, in hindsight was not a good idea on Hasbro's part, but <laughs> it existed. And now it's like, well, it exists in theory. You know what I mean? Or it exists if you are hovering over that website the moment it gets announced and you want to buy it. But um, it doesn't exist uh, so much in um, in a tangible way. Uh, I mean, it does, but you know what I'm saying? Like for the, for the average person yeah. going to the store, you know what I mean? Um, that being said, I haven't really been to the store and you have. So like you said, there's a lot of merch. So um, yeah, but... I don't think anything can get to Phantom Menace levels again because they just don't like actually make the numbers of the product in the same way they did back then, even if they make a lot of, you know, distinct products themselves. Yeah. And I think it's also just like also the pandemic um, has changed everything oh, yeah. for like brick and mortar stores. So I think it. I, I wonder what it would be like if a Hasbro had because like Hasbro was having shipping issues and stock issues with these figures um, and their kind of conservative uh, placement of them, you know, well before the pandemic, well before um, 2020. Um, But I think it's kind of like the perfect storm of like the continued Hasbro shipping supply issues and the pandemic. Like I do, I do wonder what it would look like, um, you know, in a not 2020 context um because like i mean funko has no problem getting their stuff to stores typically but also like a lot of these uh mandalorian pops like aren't showing up on shelves like it's still just a bunch of like rise of skywalker pops when you go to a store okay so um i think that there's it's it's complicated by the pandemic, but we're also still seeing like, I mean, there's T-shirts and posters and trading cards and sticker sets and pencils and um, all kinds of like that sort of Mando stuff at stores right now. And I, I literally see something new every time I go to the store and I, I you know, only go like every week and a half or so just to get essentials. But yeah. um Every time I go, I see I see something new. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, if you want any merchandise, especially toys, specific to um, this week's episode, I would say be be ready. Be on MandoMondays.com or whatever it is, like on Monday, like at the exact second that this stuff is going to go up. Because like, mm-hmm. if the toys have already been selling out, like a Bo-Katan, I you know, hopefully they have a Bo-Katan uh, figure ready to go. Uh, yeah. Uh, God, I'm gonna have to. I mean, if they have a Sasha Banks, um, what's her character's name? Casca Reeves is her name. If they have a Sasha Banks figure, yeah, I gotta get that. So, I mean, I won't because it I won't be on the site at the second it goes live, and I won't be able to get it. But um, you know, yeah, yeah, like that stuff's gonna be cool and uh, also gonna be gone immediately. So, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely definitely in for some uh, some Bo-Katan merch. Um, even though if it's like a figure or something, it probably won't ship until next summer. But yeah. um, you know, give us something to look forward to in 2021. Well, you'll definitely be able to get, like, um, the last thing on the shirt or something though. Like a lot of them, I'm sure. So that yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, or like a 
button up shirt yeah. type thing, yeah. which are weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, last thing I do want to talk about in the Mando Mondays merch, um, the helmet. Oh, yeah. The Mandalorian Black Series helmet. Yeah. Um, I haven't bought any of these helmets. You bought you bought one of them, right? Haven't you? Didn't you buy an X-Wing I, pilot I helmet? Do. Yeah, I have um, my brother and sister-in-law. I got me the Poe Dameron one for Christmas, which was awesome. And then I also have a uh, cool. Stormtrooper one, too. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, and these are, like, I've, I've never actually, like, seen one in person. I've seen the box, but I've never, like, actually held the actual helmet. Like, they're pretty pretty cool pretty good build quality and stuff oh yeah yeah i think they're fantastic i mean when it comes to wearing them it's a little bit you know tricky or whatever because i mean i can wear them you know but the the poe dameron one's pretty tight in my head um i haven't tried the stormtrooper one for a long time but you know i can wear them um but uh you know they're more for display pieces for me and uh, they look great they look really really good um yeah so uh, okay i'm sure the best yeah one, the, 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 i was thinking about the best car one though like it should have a shine to it you know what i mean so hopefully they got the texture and the paint right as far as that goes but uh but no i have no doubt it'll look amazing i haven't seen the Bo the boba fett one because they did put out a boba fett one recently i haven't seen that in person but, mm. um no i i think and the reaction too overall too is people are very impressed with the, the black series helmets um you know and at the price point and stuff i don't know what this one goes for the best car one but um i think they're are they they're either a little below or a little over a hundred bucks, but they're worth it. They look great. Yeah. Um, well, if you click on the link to the the helmet um, from the page, it is out of stock. Of course. So I can't even see the price yeah. Um, yeah. because, of course. Yeah. Yep. So that's it's really cool though. Uh, um, yeah. And and I think like the Kylo Ren one, at least last time I checked, like the Kylo Ren one, that might have been the first. I don't know if the Stormtrooper was first or Kylo Ren was first, but uh, that one goes for a ton of money, I think, on the secondary market. Like, um, I'm sure this best car one will be out of control on the secondary market. So uh, I don't know what the oh, chances wow. are of getting one, but um, does Wario64 ever uh, post about um, Star Wars merch? <laughs> that would be helpful because, you know, yeah, it would be uh, it would be really cool. That's true. We need we need a, a Wario 64 of, um, you know, just constant brick seek updates yeah. or whatever. You almost um, went East Coast there, Ryan. You almost went East Coast on your pronunciation of Wario, you know, you, 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 you <laughs> for a second you were calling him. Well, well, I can't do it. I don't even know. Wario, yeah. You know, yeah. So. Uh, hey, I spent a lot of time in the boroughs. Mm, I don't think you have. No, I mean, I vacation in brooklyn for a week oh, once cool. okay. I, th- I think that's a got, got a little little bit of that uh that brooklyn uh stuck to my shoe <laughs> still uh still coming out here uh, spent some time in jersey uh, yeah uh-huh i've been to jersey once okay i think we are at the point where we need to wrap the show up if we're talking about our vacation <laughs> yeah, probably. New jersey. so um yeah let's go ahead and do that um we will of course be back next week with a uh, discussion of chapter 12 uh, very excited for that. Actually, Ryan, before that is um, the holiday special. That's on uh, Tuesday night, and uh, I'm really excited for that. We're gonna have. Oh, wow. I think we'll want to record something about the holiday special too at some point. Um, and uh, maybe it'll be a, d- a double header next well, next week. Yeah, maybe. Although looking at the clock on uh, how long this episode is, just talking about Mandalorian chapter eleven. Um, mm. we'll see how that goes, but yeah, maybe we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I am excited for that though. So if you're listening to this before um, Tuesday, the I don't know what is it, 17th, 
Um, definitely uh, be on the lookout for that. The uh, Lego Star Wars Holiday Special debuts on Tuesday night, so I'm excited. My kid's school has a Chipotle fundraiser that night, so I've got a pretty good little night set up. I'm going to go to Chipotle, and uh, I'm going to watch, you know, pick up Chipotle, bring it home, and watch the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special. So I'm super excited. But um, yeah, anyway, uh, we'll be back next week with uh, another episode. Until then, you can find everything we do at Blockade Runner podcast.com um and you could uh email the show at blockade runner podcast at gmail.com we're on twitter at blockade run and ryan you are on twitter at uh v-a-y-a-m-a-l-a-y on twitter which i'm not currently using and it kind of rules oh yeah okay so uh, <laughs> yeah well Gotcha. Okay. Um, Anyway, we'll be back uh, next week with another episode. And uh, until then, um, be easy. Be well. well. Take care of yourself. Hell. Hell. S A S H A. How you do that? Damn. She's a legit boss. But y'all knew that. The big boss dog. Yeah, I had to do that. That's my family, and we so G. Bow down to the new champ of WWE. The new champ of WWE. WWE.